Greetings, this is Pastor Thomas A. Deloach, and this episode is brought to you by To Empower You, a podcast dedicated to helping young adults and young couples achieve their goals and dreams from a biblical context. From a biblical context. Pastor Thomas A. Deloach. Hello, everybody. I'm back better than ever. This is Thomas A. Deloach to Empower You, and I'm so glad to connect with you today. I want to take this opportunity and thank you for every kind word, email, just all the love that you've shown me on these podcast episodes. It's really been a joy to get behind this mic and really drop some nuggets and share some things on my heart. So I appreciate it. Keep the love coming. Keep the emails coming, the comments, all of it. I read it all. And it's such an honor and a privilege to really partner with you. On today's show, I want to talk about a threefold chord called covenant marriage, that eight letter word called marriage. So I want to take at least two episodes and really give you some strong principles that you can impart in your marriage. Marriage is hard work. But if you will put in the work, you will really see a strong, successful, a gold medal marriage, as I call it. Since we got to be together, we've chosen to be together, we might as well be happy. So I want to drop some nuggets on you. I really believe that in this hour that we live in, families are under attack, children are under attack, but more importantly, marriages are under attack. So I want you to take some notes if you can. If not, I want you to continue to listen in and maybe take some notes later because I do believe that this is going to be something that can revolutionize your life. If you will open up your heart, open up your spirit, no matter what's going on in your marriage, even if your marriage is great, it can be greater. And if your marriage is really struggling right now, my prayers and thoughts are with you, but I want you to take the reins of marriage and impart some truth to power from God's word and make some wholesale changes individually in your life so you can bring something to your marriage that will cause the love to resurface again, cause the passion to come back in your heart again for the reason why you said I do. There was a reason why you took your spouse. There's a reason why you connected with that man, that woman. So I want to make sure that when I say some things to you today on this episode, I pray that it's going to resonate with you at a deeper level. But also say that for my singles out here, if you plan on getting married, this is something you want to listen to as well. Also, I think it's important that you get some premarital counseling. I can't say that any more than what I just said. You need to get some premarital counseling. People have this notion that when they get married, they're just going to work out their problems once they get married. It's just not going to happen because what you need is some tools. You need some tools in your toolbox because you know something in the marriage is going to go awry. You want to be prepared. You want to have something that when communication breaks down, when the enemy tries to come in and wreak havoc everywhere, you want to be able to 
reach for something that you can impart into your house to strengthen and fine tune the marriage. So get you some premarital counseling because we know something is going to happen. I want you to do that. I want you to promise yourself that you're going to make an investment in your marriage. And that's really what marital counseling is all about. Premarital counseling, as it were, is that I'm making an investment. And if you are too cheap to make an investment, Maybe you shouldn't get married. The spouse or the person you're getting ready to take as a husband or a wife, they say, oh, we don't need it. You might need to look at that again because I can guarantee you, you will somewhere down the road. And you have to really invest in your marriage after you say I do. You need to have keys that you can unlock certain doors. If nurses and firemen and doctors and other professionals have to continue their education, you and I have to as well. You've got to continue to educate yourself on your spouse, educate yourself on your own heart, because things will happen in marriage in and of itself. Something is going to happen and you have to continue to forgive. You have to continue to give. You have to continue to show mercy and love when you don't want to show it. And so everything about your life is going to be under attack because marriage is something that God put together. And he said, if I put it together, don't let, it, don't let anyone tear it apart. All right. So I want to start off today with this scripture and it's found in Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse number 12. And it says, if one prevail against him, Two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. I think it's important for us to understand that rough twisted twine by itself is weak, but if you add another strand, it becomes stronger. Yet another strand with it, that cord is not easily broken. And so this whole concept about covenant marriage is really the same way. God ordained marriage because it was not good for man to be alone. And I think that is something that is so profound that it was never God's intention for a man to be by himself. He knew to prolong man's life, to give man God's best. God had a woman, a man with a womb. That's why it's called woman. Somebody that was different than him had uh, features that he was attracted to, but more importantly, could add some value and some sustenance to his life. So it was never good for man to be alone. So God designed marriage. He was the architect behind this whole concept called marriage because he knew that man needed a help meet. That help meet is suitable to aid him. Every woman can't help you. Every woman is not suitable to help you. But in the mind of God, he had a woman that was suitable to help man. And this woman was created for him. I want you to think about that because God is very meticulous. God says, I've got somebody that I've handpicked, hand-selected, and if you will connect with me, I will reveal to you who this particular person is. And so what God does is he brings man and woman together. 
and he keeps them together. But here's the caveat. He keeps them together if they want to be kept together, because God also gave us a free will. We're free will moral agent. And so even though God is powerful and he can do anything, he will never violate the laws and principles that he has placed within our being. And so he will keep you together if you want to be kept together. So this whole thing about covenant marriage just doesn't happen. Just because you walk down the aisle, you got bridesmaids on one side, groomsmen on another side, and a wonderful church with music playing in the background, that is not going to keep you together. God has a plan about how he's going to do it, and he wants to reveal it to you. The two shall become one. So that needs to be a process in and of itself. So it takes an intertwining of each soul will. And more importantly, the third strand is God. And God is the centrality of this thing. He binds the two of you together. And so if you're going to live a Christ-centered marriage, everybody that gets married, that's not their desire. But if this is your goal to live a Christ-centered marriage, God has got to be at the helm. He's got to be the one that you go to. He has to be the one that you trust when times are hard. He has to be the one that you lean on. And anytime God is removed out of any equation, it's only going to be a matter of time before that thing implodes from within. So God is that strand, that powerful strand that keeps this thing called marriage covenant together. Now, let me give you a couple of things about a covenant. What is that? A covenant is defined as a solemn or binding agreement between two individuals. However, a covenant is deeper than only a simple agreement or even a simple contract. A covenant is a deep promise of the commitment that regardless of what happens, the agreement remains unbroken. I'm going to say that again. A covenant is a deep promise of commitment that regardless of what happens, the agreement remains unbroken. So covenant marriage is not a 50-50 thing. And that's the thing that really bothers me to some degree after having been married 25 years and counting that there's no such thing as this 50-50 thing because how do you know when you have given your 50? How do you know when you have given half? How do you know when you come to that point? Is there some type of ruler, barometer, some type of measuring stick that you know when you've given 50? No, you can't do that. You've got to give 110% because there's another law in place here, the law of reciprocity. And what you give will be given back to you. So when we get into marriage, it's all about not what we can get, it's about what we can give. And if we give first, we will get back to us in an exponential way. So I think that's important as well because people get into marriage and say the spouse didn't give me this or they didn't give me that. But I want you to focus on what you can give your spouse and remember that God never lies. His word never never lies. And if you give, I promise you, you will receive. So covenant marriage is based on this unconditional promise. It contains a steadfast love. Covenant marriage is a view that commitments are permanent. We don't get in marriage and then five years we separate. 
This is why marriage is a joke. Relationships are a joke a lot of times because people come into this thing saying, I'm just going to give this five years. And if I don't get what I need to get, I'm going to bow out. But that was never the mind of God, the architect behind marriage. He never wanted it to be that way. It is really until death do us part. I know we don't like to hear that word, but this is a lifelong commitment. You want to be committed to somebody and you want somebody really to be committed to you. So it is a marriage that sometimes requires confronting and forgiving. You got to do that. If you're not willing to confront certain things or forgive, again, marriage is not for you. And this type of marriage, I want to tell you, it's not easy. We can paint it with as many colors as we want to. But for those of you that have been married, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's just some days where the enemy is just using each of you to tear down the very fabric of marriage that you put together. So you got to realize and understand when the enemy is using you and you got to really talk to yourself and rebuke yourself and catch yourself and saying things that you shouldn't say. Don't allow this to be the fact because there's just going to be some things that are going to come out in the marriage context and the marriage structure in and of itself, two people coming together, trying to live together. And I didn't even talk about the whole dynamic. You know, I'm marrying this woman for the first time and I've never lived with somebody for the first time. And you're seeing different things about them that you was like, man, what is this? But you got to realize that this is why it takes time. Again, the two shall become one. That is not on day one. It may take day 551 really for you guys to come together and be that strong cord. Now, it also demands our best. You got to give your best effort every day. When we talk about this covenant marriage and the rewards, though, are exponential if you put in the effort. So I want you to say before I give you these five principles, I want you to say I'm going to put in the effort. That's what you need to focus on. Not what your husband is going to do. Not what your wife is going to do. I'm talking about what you are going to do. Because many times we say, well, he needs to do this and she needs to do that. But I want you to at least make a commitment to God. This is what I'm going to do. And if you do it, it may take some time for your spouse to receive it. But I want you to have some faith in God because this is where this trust in God comes into play. You got to trust God. If this is the person that God told you to be with, if this is a person that God told you to marriage, it's still going to be problems. Just because God says come together, that does not mean there's not going to be problems. But even though he said it, he has a promise. And so you need to grow up. You've got to mature. You've got to have the Holy Spirit put some necessary things in your heart so you won't become envious. You won't become bitter. You won't allow the devil to just steal your joy and your peace. You got to make sure that the Holy Spirit is where he needs to be so that you can hear his voice. And when he corrects you, you are quick to apologize. When he says to you, you could have said a little differently. When he talks to you about things concerning you and your own personal life, you've got something to give to the married life. All right. So let me give you number one on how to have a covenant marriage. Again, we're talking about this threefold cord called a covenant marriage. Number one, commit yourself to God 
and renew your first love with him. Again, commit yourself to God and renew your first love with him. This whole thing about commitment today is really a joke because people are hard pressed to throw all of themselves in anything. But I want you to know before you can really commit yourself to a man or a woman, you've got to commit yourself to God. The Bible talks about how we should commit our ways to God. I want you to begin to work on your show enough commitment to him. Are you committed to him every day of the week, uh, seven days a week, 365 days a year? What is your true commitment level to God? How tight are you with him? If you're not committed to God, you won't be committed to your spouse. It's just not going to happen. Dedication and commitment first starts vertically. When you are great vertically with God, then horizontally with your relationship with your spouse really will become easy because you will have within your spirit this profound relationship that you've got with God that is going to help you to be in a love relationship with someone else. Bible says, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? So we've got to work on this commitment with God and not just have this head talk, but we've got to have a heart talk with him and be committed to him and have this renewed love relationship with him every single day. So I want you to spend some time in prayer talking and listening to God because it's very key. If I'm going to be committed to God, then I can be committed to my spouse. If I'm going to cheat on God, I'm going to cheat on my spouse. It starts again vertically and we want to work on that so that when I come together with God, he can help me to love my wife. He can help me to love my husband. That's number one, commit yourself to God and renew your love relationship with him first. Number two, commit your marriage to God. That's important. We've got to be transparent before God. We've got to understand that God wants us to commit this thing called marriage to him. So he allows us to take on this responsibility called marriage. He's not going to force it on anyone to get married. But if you want to get married and you decide to, then he puts it in your lap. So you have got to commit your marriage to God. You've got to tell God some things personally. You got to tell God your dreams that you have about this marriage. You have to tell God about this marriage relationship and be honest. I'm afraid. I'm scared. I don't know what to do. My last relationship ended in divorce. I never saw a great marriage with my parents. I never saw a great relationship anywhere. You can't go into this thing thinking that you've got it all together and you can do it without God. You got to be honest and tell him about this. Be honest with him about challenges you're facing in your own life. Maybe you really understand that I'm selfish. I don't always want to be around somebody, but I want to try and love this woman or try and love this man. If you are not honest, 
honest with God, you'll never be honest with your spouse because we've got to understand honesty is in the heart and nobody's going to make you or force you to be honest. And then when you're honest before God and you tell him how you feel, you can then watch the hand of God begin to work in your marriage. It is God's will that you have a great marriage. But remember, you've got to put in the work. And so when you commit your way to God and you commit your marriage to the Lord and you can really be transparent before him, no lies, no deceit, just really saying to God, this is what it is. This is how I feel. Many times God can't help us because we simply won't be honest. And so if you can't be honest with anybody, you most certainly should be able to be honest with God because he knows your heart. He knows how you feel. He knows what you are planning to do. He knows before the thought enters into your mind, before you speak it out of your mouth, God already knows. So just commit your marriage to God and be honest before him. That's number two. Number three is so important. Pray together every day. Now, I know this is a challenge because people's work schedules are different. Maybe you work in the morning and your spouse works at night, but I want you to find some time in your day where you can pray for your spouse, where you guys can come together and pray together, whether that's on the phone, whether that's in the car, maybe y'all go to the same job, but whatever the situation is, don't say you don't have time to pray for one another. Don't ever say that because remember this threefold cord called marriage and God is the greatest strand. We got to talk to him. We got to get in his face, both of us together. We got to lock in and we got to come together heart to heart. We got to come in united, soul to soul, spirit to spirit and say, you know what? We're not going to let the hustle and bustle of the day keep us apart. We're not going to let kids drive us apart. We're going to take time and spend time holding up our marriage and praying for the marriage and praying for one another because nobody's going to pray for your marriage. Nobody is trusting God for your marriage. This is your responsibility. And if you don't take the time to pray together, I can guarantee you the enemy is devising a way, even as I speak to you, to destroy the very thing that God created. So when we pray together, our hearts are united. When we pray together, we're sensitive to one another's needs. When we pray for one another, it's almost like we're so knitted and connected that you can feel when your spouse is down. You can feel when they're discouraged. You can tell around 2 p.m. the Holy Spirit touches your heart and say something is going on with your wife. Something is going on with your husband. Take a moment and pray for them. This thing is supernatural. Marriage is just not a physical thing. Marriage is a spiritual spiritual thing because marriage is ministry. And so if you're not ready to minister, you're not ready to get married. And so when we really are locked in to the Holy Ghost, when we are locked in to one another, they don't always have to tell you how they feel. The Holy Spirit is there to intercept and to touch your spirit and touch your heart and give you some information. I'm talking about on time information where you can feel the attack coming at your husband, where you can feel the attack coming at your wife and you can take a moment and lift them up in prayer. Prayer is so important. So make a habit of this. Create a spiritual bond because this 
this is spiritual intimacy that we are creating in this marriage dynamic. Many times people come to me and they say, my marriage is not doing what I thought it would do. And I ask them this question, how often are y'all praying for the marriage? How often do you pray for one another? And you'd be surprised. Many times they say, you know what? I haven't done it in a long time. We don't ever pray together. We don't ever lock in. And this is a major reason why marriages are destroyed. They're not praying together. And I realize again that people are busy, but you should never be too busy to pray for your wife. You should never be too busy to pray for your husband. So take the time and pray together. Make a pact with your wife. Make a pact with your husband. Before you leave the house or even if you leave before me, I'm going to call you on the phone and we're going to touch heaven for one another. Because I know what you got to deal with today. I know what's on your plate or on your drive in. Listen, we make time for everything else, but we don't make time for God in our marriage as it relates to prayer. So take the time and do this and keep the enemy out. That's how you ward the enemy out of your life, out of your marriage is to pray and say, hey, we're not going to let anything bust us up. We're not going to let any enemy come in and steal the love and the joy that we have for one another. Number four, here's an important one as well. Practice open communication. You know this as well as I do, that communication takes effort. It is hard work to communicate. Two things, communication and practice listening. That's what I would add to this practicing open communication, because really there is no communication without the other person listening and listening just like talking is a skill. And most people don't have it because they never learned how to communicate really what's on their heart because they wait until they get so angry and so upset. They're yelling and they're screaming. But I always tell married people this deal with the issue, not the person. This is the issue. It's not about them right now. It's about what they did. It's about the situation. Because when you're dealing with the person, that's when name calling comes into play. You're calling them this. You're calling them that. But that's not important. The important thing is I want to calm down and communicate my heart to you. And the other person should take the time and listen not listen to respond quickly because that's what we do many times. We Our spouses come to us and they say, hey, I want to communicate something. And the moment they say something you upset about, you fire right back at them and you didn't take the time to really listen and hear what they said. I'm telling you, this might be the number one reason why marriages are destroyed. I know money is up there too, but when people don't know how to talk to one another, when they don't know how to communicate with one another, you don't have a marriage. You don't have a relationship. So you got to be able to say, you know what, honey, anytime you need to talk to me about anything, I want you to come to me. Yes, your relationship with God is number one. But see, this communication thing is going to build some trust because what happens is, and this is what happened to Eve, Eve began to talk to the enemy, began to talk to Satan. Well, where was the spouse? Where was the husband? Where was the man? I do believe had he been around, the enemy could have been thwarted just by the man's presence. So men, we've got to be there for our wives and wives, you got to be there for your husband. And so this thing about communication and listening 
is so very key and you have to even repeat it back to them. Is this what you're saying? Did I miss something? And if you did, then your spouse can say, no, this is not what I'm saying. If we will take the time and calm down and be mature about the situation, we really can get to the bottom of it. Because really, if you can talk about it, you can get over it. If you can talk about it, you can get free from it. If you really can communicate without judgment, if you can communicate without ridicule, if you can communicate to your wife, to your husband, I can guarantee you things are going to get better every day simply because you have open communication. How open is your communication in your marriage? Can you talk about anything? I know it's difficult because there's some trust that was breached. Possibly there were some things that maybe you told your wife or you told your husband and it got out in the street. That's another subject for another day. But the reality is, is that we've got to mend these fences and apologize. You want your spouse to have a safe place to lay their head. You want to be able to say that even in a tough conversation, I want to grow from this. I want to learn from this. I don't want to take it personal. I don't want to get offended every time you say something to me and I get angry because that happens when you first start out in a marriage. You immature. You don't know what you don't know. But I want you to begin to practice this peace in your relationship. Deal with the issue, never the person. And so take a walk together. Spend time maybe in nature because as you can see the scenery and you can just open up your heart, get out of the house, maybe take a drive one day and spend some time talking to your spouse, share your heart, your dreams, your ideas, your feelings, your fears. And that's difficult for men to do because we've got fears. We've got things in us that we are not always willing to admit, but I thought you took this woman because you love her, because she's your friend. An important point that your spouse should be your friend, that you should have a tight bond, a tight relationship with your spouse, that you can go to them because you know that they are a trusted sounding board. They are somebody that you can really open up and be transparent with. Share your embarrassments with your spouse. You embarrassed about this at work because you can watch this. You have to release Many times in marriage, we're so frustrated, we're so angry, we're so upset, and we don't have anybody solid to talk to. That should never be in your relationship. We have a time where we take in, and then we have a time where we can release. So we have to begin to release through that open dialogue. And remember, let me say this, your spouse is not your child. No, your spouse is not your son. It's not your daughter. You should not marry a woman or a man for that matter because you're trying to control. No, because you're trying to correct them. That's not what marriage is about. Marriage is not about you correcting your spouse. Your spouse is grown. Your job as a husband and a wife is to add value, is to add something substantive to the marriage. Your job is to love, is to cover, is to encourage, is to build up. You ought to be able to say, you got somebody when you got me. 
We're going to make it to the top of the mountain because I'm a winner and I'm going to help you get there too. You got to add something to your relationship and build it one brick at a time. So we've got to understand this. And I really do think that this is so important that we practice this open communication and it'll get to the point where you will enjoy your companion, your wife. You will enjoy talking to them. One of the things about my wife and I, we have some great conversations. We can talk about a lot of things. We can really engage one another mentally because we're friends. We were friends. Long before we got married, we took time and we became really good friends. And so when you got a friend, you can talk to them. So you know that if you are starting out in a relationship with somebody you can't even talk to, And now you've been in this thing for about two years and you're thinking about marriage and you can't talk to them about just small things. What do you think is going to happen when you get married? It's going to be even tougher. So we've got to look for these red flags early on for those that are single listening to me thinking about marriage. The red flags don't lie. They will become bigger. They'll become brighter. But for those of us that are married, we need to practice this open communication, practice listening. Don't get upset. Don't get frustrated. Maybe it's something that you heard that was wrong. And generally, that's the case. We heard something wrong. We were in our feelings. We all sensitive. And now everything has gone awry. But I want you to heal your own marriage when you can practice some communication. And number five, this is the last one that I want to give you today. I'll come back next week and give you the last five is guard your marriage from emotional intimacy with others. Now, this is almost like this practicing of communication, but slightly different. Remember, your spouse is your confidant, which means if you have an issue with your spouse, You need to be seeking God about this, not going to mom, not going to dad, not going to a best friend because they're going to be partial. They're going to side with you. They're not going to always tell you what you need to know. They're not going to always say, well, you know what? This was your fault. Maybe you could have phrased it a little bit different because your friends know you. They understand you. Your mom and dad, they know you. They love you. They're your advocate. And sometimes they're not going to ruffle your feathers. They're going to take your side instead of saying, well, you know what? That was wrong what you did. You got to have people in your corner that's mature enough to do that. And most people don't. So you have to begin to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to God. I'm going to seek God. Remember, he is this last strand. This threefold cord is not easily broken because it's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that's tying it up and making this thing tight. So you want to keep confidentiality in your marriage. You never want something to get out. How would you feel? You tell your spouse your deepest, darkest past and you find out Thanksgiving Day, they talking about it at the dinner table. You're going to be devastated. You're going to be upset. You're going to be mad. That trust is going to be broken immediately. And I lament the fact that many grownups don't know this, that are married, that they'll go to people and talk to them knowing that they can't keep anything, knowing that they gossip and they lie. Some of us have friends that gossip 
and they can't wait to spread information about your marriage because maybe they're jealous of your marriage. Maybe they wanted your spouse before you got hooked up with them. I mean, there are many reasons why people do what they do, but confidentiality in your marriage is key and you want to keep that. So if it's ever been breached, you know what I'm talking about, but you can heal that. You can go to your spouse and say, I messed up. I blew it. I'll never do that again because you never want your stuff to get out in the street. You never want your business to get out there. So you want to make sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that whatever issues that your spouse brings to you and you know your inner circle and you know your parents and you know they just don't know how to give you sound counsel. I got somebody that knows how and that's God himself. Take it to God because I can guarantee you he's going to give you a reply and insight and revelation on maybe where you went wrong, on something you can do differently, on maybe what you said, or he's going to tell you how to pray for your husband or your wife. We thank God for counselors. I'm one. I thank God for pastors. I'm one. And I'm not saying that a pastor shouldn't help you. I'm not saying that people that are mature and counseling can't help you because I believe that they can. But the first thing I want you to do is to go to God because God knows something a pastor doesn't know. God knows something a marriage counselor doesn't know. And so I want you to begin to practice this and heal your marriage through guarding it, protecting it, making sure that people aren't in your business, that people are not trying. And people do. They generally care. They want to help you. They love you. But I want you to know God loves you more. God loves you best. And he knows how to share some things with you and talk to you and build you up so that your stuff is is tight and knitly woven together. And so that's key. Guarding your marriage from emotional intimacy with others. And this is what you want to do. And I do believe if you will practice these five things, I want to give it to you again. Commit yourself to God. Renew your love with him. Number two, commit your marriage to God. Number three, pray daily. Number four, practice open communication. And then number five, guard your marriage from emotional intimacy with others. I want you to do this this week. If you are married, I want you to begin to insert some of these principles that I've given you to heal your marriage and take it to the next level. God put this together so he knows that it can work. It can. He would have never instituted marriage if he didn't think it could work. But marriage, again, is for mature people. So I'm praying that you will grow up. I'm praying that you will mature. I'm praying that you will see things at a different level, at a different space than you've ever seen it before because I'm believing God for your marriage. I'm praying for you. I'm married and I know the importance of it. I know what it has brought to my life. I know it has extended my life. I know the man that I was at 22 is not the man that I am now in my 40s. And so I do believe that having a sturdy, sound support system is key. But I want you to get God where he needs to be And that is at the forefront, the heart, the centrality. He's the substratum. He's the one that can catapult your life to a level, your marriage to a place that it has never been before. So I want to encourage you this week. I'm praying for you. I believe God in your marriage. There was a reason why y'all got together. Don't let any enemy, nobody come between you and your spouse. 
You guys are all each other have. And so I'm believing God's best for you. I want you to come back next week. I'm going to give you five more and that will conclude this whole premise on this threefold cord called a covenant marriage. I want you to go to my website, thomasadeloach.com. Check it out. I think you will be blessed. There's a subscriber box there. I want you to place your email and click that send button and I will release to you a PDF, a free biblical success report. Also, email me at info at thomasadeloach.com. Let me know that these shows are blessing you. Send me some praise reports. I want to be able to connect with you. I'm believing God's best for you. I want you to have a great week. And until next time, peace to the family. Take care. Thank you for listening to my show to empower you. If you were blessed, inspired, and encouraged, Please send me a praise report, prayer requests, or show ideas to info at thomasadeloach.com. And follow me on Facebook at Dr. Thomas A. Deloach. Until next time, be empowered.